All right, so we are in our David series, and as I shared with you last week, I'm so pumped and so excited about David. David is by far uh, one of my, if not my favorite, favorite biblical character uh, outside of Jesus, of course. And so David is someone that uh, I have related to in my life on many different occasions, and, uh, and you probably as well. And today's sermon is going to relate right back to us here today. Last week, as we introduced David, we talked about the calling of David and how Samuel, uh, the, uh, he was the, the judge, of the final judge there in Israel. He was also a prophet and a, and a priest. And so Samuel... He, uh, he followed God's leading and anointed David king, even though um, Saul was the first king and Saul was chosen by the people of Israel, so Samuel chose him, and then, but, but God chose David. And so uh, several years later, while Saul was reigning and, and just not doing a great job, Samuel called David. And we talked about how David was, was just a, a teenage boy when God called him and Samuel anointed him. And, and we learned that through this, he was a, a man after God's own heart. He was, even at that young age, he was as someone who was after the heart of God, who whatever God weeps for, he weeps for. Whatever God is excited about, David was excited about. Whatever a God didn't put up with, David didn't put up with, even as a teenager. And so we learned that if you wanna have the, the heart of God, you wanna set up your life to, to have the heartbeat of God, you, you want to do a few things. First of all, you wanna stay faithful. You wanna stay faithful to the calling. Whenever Samuel came and uh, went to the to Jesse, his father's house, David's father's house, and David had seven other brothers, and, and, and Samuel showed up. The, everybody else came to the house, but David was faithful to the sheep. In fact, they had to, they had to call him in from the fields. In fact, his, day, his father, Jesse, forgot all about him, but David was faithful. Also, you wanna, you wanna stay open to the move of God. You wanna stay open to the things of God. You know, David walked in from the fields, and, and the first thing Samuel did Say, kneel down, boy. And got this, this ram horn filled with oil and just poured it all over him. And David's going, what is going on? But David accepted it because David knew, man, this, this is a man of God in my presence. And I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna go with the flow a little bit. I'm just gonna be open with that. And so if you want to have the heart of God, you want to be open to the things of God. You want to be open and surround yourself with, with people who follow God, with men and women who are also after the heart of God so that you know, hey, this is, this is a good thing here and I need to follow this. So we need to stay faithful, we need to stay open, and we also need to stay humble. We need to stay humble in this process. You know, after David was anointed king, you know, he didn't, you know, change his Instagram and, and make business cards and said, hey, I'm the new king, or tell his brothers, hey, uh, I'm getting the better room now, I'm getting the bigger room, so you guys move out, or whatever, you're gonna serve me. And no, David didn't do any of that. In fact, he went back to watching the sheep. Anointed king, back to watching the sheep. He was humble, and he stayed humble throughout his life. And so if you want to be a person after God's own heart, you want to stay humble. You want to stay faithful, open to the move of God, to the things of God, and you want to stay humble. 
Well, today's message, I'm gonna be in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, so if you, you have your copy in God's word, I wanna encourage you to open to that. If you don't, that's perfectly fine because we're gonna have the scriptures on the screen. You can follow on maybe your, uh, your phone, your mobile device, if you have a Bible thing on that. But today, we're gonna talk about a story that you have probably already heard of before, and, uh, and it's the story of David and Goliath. And in fact, this story picks up pretty much almost right after the, the calling of David. Okay, not, I mean, obviously not the next day or next week, but, but very soon after um, God uh, called David, David is now faced with a, a, uh, a predicament that he never thought he would, he would be in. And so this story, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna read pretty much the, the entire chapter here in chapter 17. And we're gonna go just a few verses at a time, and we're gonna take a few nuggets from, um, from this passage, and we're going to uh, talk about that, and we're going to um, see, what that, you know, see what that looks like in our life. But to set this up, you basically have the Philistine army. So the, the, uh, the Philistines, the nation, uh, they were set up on one side, on, on one big hill. So if you just imagine, you can actually look this up on, on, in Google Earth and, and Google Images where, where the battle was. It's really cool. And so you could just see this, this vast amount of just sort of rolling mountainous terrain and, and valleys. And so they were in one of those, and, and the Philistines were, were all lined up and camped out, ready to make war with the Israelites on one side of this, of this large hill, this large mountain. And, and so the Israelites were camped out on the other side. And, and obviously Saul was king. Uh, David's, three of David's brothers were there fighting for, uh, for, the, for Israel. They were serving King Saul. And so they were encamped on one side. And so you had this, this sort of valley in between. And what the problem is that the Philistines had this this special agent, this elite warrior named Goliath. And Goliath was, was someone who, um, who was taunting the Israelites. In fact, he came out and he challenged uh, the Israelites to a battle. And uh, as we will read here and see for ourselves here today. So I wanna start there in chapter 17, verse four. As we, uh, as we read this, verse four, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. So it's about nine feet, nine inches. That's pretty tall. NBA would love him right now. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs... He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. It's about 15 pounds. Just a point of that was 15 pounds. His shield bearer, bearer went ahead of him. So there's this, this other guy. We don't know how tall he was. He was a giant. But this other you know, assistant who uh, was with him and carrying his shield. I can imagine how, how big that shield was. I'm sure this guy was pretty stout. Verse eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? 
Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So you have this big bully who is taunting Israel. Now, as we go in today's message, I need you to be aware of something. I need you to beware of a giant that is standing in your way in your life. There's all kinds of giants. Every one of us here today, my opinion, my strong opinion, everyone here today is facing some sort of giant, okay? It could be a nine-foot-tall giant. It could be a 15-foot-tall giant. Some of us here today are even facing multiple giants. You know, Goliath actually, biblical scholars said Goliath actually had four, uh, four brothers, and, and obviously, we don't see them in this story. But some of you might be facing multiple Goliaths in your life. And so keep those giants in your life, in, in your head, in your mind, as we go through this. And plug that into your life as we talk about this. So you have Goliath who's taunting Israel. You know who he's really talking to? He even mentions him. He's talking to Saul. He's talking to Saul. He, he's, he's telling Saul, he's like, look, you're the king. And he, he didn't talk to Saul just one-on-one, but he's giving the message out. You have a king, and he should come up and fight. Now, Saul was the one that the people chose. If you remember back in Samuel, when, when people chose Saul, Saul was good-looking. He was a head taller than everybody. I mean, he, he has been a warrior, and he, is, he has killed lots and lots of people. And, and everybody is looking to Saul, the king. And for 40 days, this giant comes taunting the Israelites, and who does nothing about it? Saul. Can I tell you something? This was his battle to fight. This was his battle to fight. He should have manned up and gone out there and took care of it, but he didn't. He didn't. Can I tell you something? This is your battle to fight. This is your battle to fight. Saul was putting the Israelites in jeopardy, this, their safety in the jeopardy, by having this, this Goliath come and taunt them every day, twice a day, for 40 days. But he did nothing about it. This was his giant to fight. You, because you're ignoring the giant, or maybe putting it off, you could be putting people in your life at jeopardy. Obviously, you're putting yourself in jeopardy. But you could be putting people in your life, the people you love the most, in jeopardy if you're not focusing in on one thing. This is my giant. Nobody else is gonna fight this giant but me through God's power. So 
whatever giant you're facing today, you need to man up or woman up and you need to say, all right, this is mine. This is my, I've been ignoring this guy. I've been, I've been ignoring this person. You know, I've been ignoring this situation. I've been ignoring this problem. I've been ignoring this habit. I've been ignoring this sin. I've been ignoring whatever it is for far too long. And it's my giant to fight. It's not my kid's giant to fight. Because you know what? If you don't fight your giant, eventually when you pass down in this life, your kids will fight it for you and they will be left with it. So this is your giant to fight, not anybody else's. Let's move on. Verse 12. Now David was a son of an Ephraite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. In Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So, 40 days... Twice a day, this giant was taunting them. I would imagine that your giant is taunting you every day, maybe multiple times a day. So you need to become aware that what, what this giant is doing in, in your life. Maybe you're sitting here today, you know, Frank, this, this giant that I'm facing, this, this habit, this sin, this lifestyle, this thing that I know has been taught, it's been with me every single day. Do you, do you hear the words of that giant in your life? Do you hear the words of the giant in your life? Maybe it's worry. Maybe some of you are worried. You know, maybe you're fighting, you're, you're fighting depression. Maybe you're, 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 you're fighting uh, addictions to certain things whether it be alcohol or drugs or porn or whatever it is. Maybe you're fighting a, a, an eating habit or a lifestyle. Maybe you're fighting what, whatever it is in your life. It's taunting you every day. It is. It's taunting you every day. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't say that to remind you of your giant in a bad way. I'm just telling you he's there just like Goliath, he, he was there twice a day for 40 days. And some of, you, some of us here today, it could be longer than 40, 40 days. Some of us here today, it could be 40 years that this giant keeps taunting. And can I tell you something? This giant's not going anywhere. You know, Saul at the beginning, he probably thought, well, we'll give it a week. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll, he'll give up and, and we'll fight this battle with all the armies together, like there are thousands of men and our thousands of men and we'll, we'll go at it, just like old time, war. But they changed the equation by bringing this guy up. And so Saul, around 40 days, realized, okay, this guy's not going anywhere. And he's probably trembling in his boots, thinking, okay, 
Uh, none of my men are doing anything, and this is about that guy and me. He's not going anywhere. Your giant's not going anywhere until you face up to your giant, to your Goliath. So keep that in mind. He's not gonna just disappear, okay? He might, he might take a break like Goliath, okay? He might take a break and go after the morning taunt, go and hang out and then come back in the evening. Yeah, but he is not going away. Verse 17, now Jesse said to his son David, so David's back, at, he's back at the ranch watching sheep. Take this ephah of roasted grain, which is about 30-something pounds, and these 10 loaves of bread for your brother, and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit, see how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Allah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Now, David, David was not expecting this at all. He was bringing lunch to his brothers. It, it, it really wasn't that extremely far where they were at and where David was back in Bethlehem. And so David was bringing lunch to his brothers and so he was not expecting anything like Goliath or a giant or this thing happening. It was just a normal day. Now his brothers were off at war, they were always off fighting some battle. Can I tell you something? Your giant lives within your everyday. In fact, there, there can even, he'll show up when you least expect it. When you're not ready, when you're not really thinking battle, when you're not really thinking that, you, you, you will face your giant. David, David, because he was bringing food, it shows you that he was not ready for this. Now, he, he brought his little pouch, leathers, you know, sling. He probably always carried that in case, you know, he got, you know, maybe some coyotes or, or bears or lions came up. He's killed those in the past. So on his journey to the battle, he wanted to make sure he was protected. But he was not thinking in his head, I'm, I'm going to face a nine-foot-tall big guy who's taunting Israel. And so it was just an average day. So when you and I are walking in this life, know this, your giant will taunt you just your average day. It's not just those special times in your life. He's there and he's hanging around when you least expect it. So it was an unexpected fight for David. Uh, verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual de defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man 
keeps coming out. He keeps coming out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now that's reason enough, right? To fight Goliath. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. You know, I don't see David, I don't see David as the reason of fighting Goliath. And we don't, we don't, we don't get this at all. To say, oh, he, I get the king's daughter? Yeah, she's hot. Or he didn't say, oh, you know, oh no taxes? <laughs> that's, that's great. I may die, but man, if I win, right, I, I'm, I'm either gonna be, I'm gonna either die by taxes or die by Goliath, right? So I'm gonna die trying. That wasn't his motive. That wasn't his heart. His heart was right there in verse 26 at the end. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. You know, we see David as someone who is angry at this giant. Now, there might have been some angry, you know, warriors, but, but one thing we see about David, David takes his anger to another level and he puts action to it. Because obviously, none of those bozos in the army were, were angry enough to where they were fed up and they said, okay, enough is enough. We gotta take this guy down. Here's a question for you. Has your giant made you angry enough? Has your giant that's taunting you made you angry enough? You're fed up. You're looking square at that giant and you're saying, get out of my face. I'm gonna bring you down in the name of Jesus. Using the power of prayer, God's word, the church, your testimony. And just take whatever giant is in your life down. Has your giant made you angry enough have you have had enough of this thing in your life? Because if you hadn't, guess what? You might want to get to know your giant a little bit because he's going to stay around. You got to get to the point to where your giant has made you ticked off so much that you're going to take it down. That's what David did. And, and, and getting mad is one thing. But getting mad to the point to where you're strategizing, you're deciding, I'm going out there. And, and it just, it makes it unbelievable that you would do this, but you are going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring that giant down. Whatever addiction, whatever sin, whatever thing that has got you down to where you can't move on further to being the person God has designed you to be. What giant is, is there 
that has not made you angry enough? Are you angry enough? Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. So, so David's angry at, at Goliath, and his older brother is angry at David. And he asks, why have you come down here? Hey, little squirt, what? Go, why are you here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Ouch. I know how conceited you are. Well, we all know that David is not conceited. We know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Let me tell you something. This isn't in my notes. I wasn't planning on saying this. But listen, if someone tells you that you're, how conceited you are or tells you some things in your life, you know that you're like, man, I don't think that's true. Can I tell you something? They're probably the ones who's facing that themselves, and they're just pushing it on you. Verse 29. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else, forget you, brother, and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. Can I tell you something? Eliab, David's oldest brother, was more angry at David than he was at Goliath. Listen, when you're, when you're fighting your giant, you gotta be fighting the right giant. You gotta, be, you gotta make sure you know who your enemy is. You gotta fight the right giant enemy. Let me tell you something. In the church, in, in, in the church, and I'm not, I'm not saying Lake Point Church, I'm just saying like church in general. I've served at many churches, and let me tell you something. There is so much fighting within the churches that we have got our eyes off of the Goliath that's facing our culture while people are dying and going to hell. That's the Goliath that people are facing and they're trapped in hopelessness and, and they're trapped in whatever and they feel like they're not loved by the church and we're too busy fighting in one, in one another that we've got our eyes off of the Goliath. Church, we've got to be fighting the right enemy. If you're fighting in your family, if there's marriage or parental or what, I mean, I know there's issues, trust me. We got a big family ourselves. I, I live my life just like you. I got problems just like you do. But let me tell you something. If you're fighting within your family, you're fighting the wrong enemy. There's an enemy who wants to take you down. If you're married, there's an enemy who hates you because you're married. And so you got to fight the right enemy. It's not the person who you sleep next to. Okay? It's not that. Fight the right enemy. Know who your enemy is. Verse 31. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight for him. David can't even drive. He couldn't even drive himself to the battlefield. He's a teenager, and he's saying these kind of words. 
Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth, talking about Goliath. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like, the, like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. How in the world was David able to talk like that about Goliath? He'd already seen Goliath. He's like, well, that's a big dude. How is David, a teenager, able to talk about, I mean, was he arrogant? Was it true what Eliab said? Well, you look at David's life. You look at what we looked at so far. David was not arrogant. He was a cocky. There's another C word. It's called confidence. He was confident in the power of God. And you know what made him confident? Because he saw Goliath the way God saw Goliath. He saw Goliath the way God saw Goliath. Is Goliath a threat to God? No. Goliath is no threat. God saw Goliath as his punk as this thug who's in here taunting the Israelites. That's how God saw Goliath. Well, guess what? David saw Goliath that way. You know, you know why? Because David was a man after God's own heart. When you become a man or woman after God's own heart, you get to see things the way God sees them. Y'all, this is important. Some of you see your Goliath, your giant, as something that is unstoppable, cannot get out of your way. You know why? Because you're not seeing your giant the way God sees your giant. And the reason why you don't is because you're not having the heart of God. You're not hanging out with God. You're not in his word. You're not praying enough. You're not, and I'm not saying that if you pray and, Read God's word that all your giants are going to, no, there's probably going to be more, but you're going to see them the way God sees them. So that's important. That's a huge, huge visual of when you are fighting your giant, you got to see it the way God sees it. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. (laughs) I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Look, um, when you're facing your giant, you've got to be yourself. You've got to be yourself. 
You've got to use the, the tools, the resources in your life to take down your giant. And you, you, you've got to be yourself. Obviously, with the power of God. But let me tell you something. Man looked at David like Saul looked at David and said, man, you can't fight that. You need all of this stuff. David tried it. He's like, you know, in his wisdom, he's like, no, this, this ain't gonna work. Because I've taken down some, some animals and this guy's just an animal and I know, how to, I know how to take him down. The same way I've taken down m- many other animals in my life. And so what, what that says to us today is this. Don't overlook things in your life that God has given you to help bring down your giant. Don't overlook things in your life that will help you bring down your giant because God has given you people. He's given you uh, other resources. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities to do what you can to bring down this giant. And can I tell you something? Most people can't bring down their giant because they're forgetting one thing. They're forgetting that they have a church to help them. Look, I know, I, know, I know David, and we'll talk about how this approach here in just a minute. I know David was just David and Goliath, but let me tell you something. Do not go into battle <clears throat> by yourself without your church lifting you in prayer. You should be lifting people in prayer who are fighting battles. And if you're fighting a giant, you need to ask people to lift you in prayer. That's why those connection cards, sending prayer, that's huge. Whatever giant you're facing, put that on there. I need prayer for this, and we get those, and that's great, and we pray for those. That's why a small group is important, because in the small groups, we're able to say, hey, here's my Goliath. My Goliath looks like this, this, and this, and I need prayer for that. And you got more time, you're in a circle, you can, you can build those relationships, you understand what each other are going through. And so you want to have others pray with you. But you don't need to be this high and mighty spiritual giant, you know, to face your own giant. You've got people, you've got your church you've got things in your life that you can do. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down, cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. 
All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Powerful, bold, confident words. That's not spoken from a cocky kid. That's spoken from a, from a young a young boy, a young, going into a young man who was confident because he had the heart of God and he saw that giant the way God sees him. He said, look, you may have all this stuff, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, because the battle doesn't belong to us. The battle belongs to the Lord. Kind of reminds me back in the days of, of Israel with Jer- the walls of Jericho. The battle belongs to the Lord. Be strong, be courageous. You know, it's interesting to note, we don't have have anywhere in scripture in this story where, where God told David to take down Goliath. It's very interesting. We don't have a, in this story, David went off to pray and God spoke to him and God said, you know, maybe gave him a song, whatever. He spoke to him and said, look, you need to take down this, this guy. Look, David knew this guy needs to be taken down. He did it even without God telling him to do it because you know what? It's obvious. When you have someone who is, who is uh, cursing the name of God and you don't, you don't need God's permission to take him down. So there's a giant in your life, maybe several giants in your life. Maybe you're waiting, well, maybe, maybe God's, maybe it's not God's timing for me to take this, God, this, this whatever habit or sin. or Maybe it's not God's timing. Baloney. It is God's timing. Stop waiting for a sign from God. You want a sign from God, look in God's word. If it goes against God's word, take it out. Stop waiting for a sign from God. Now, yeah, there are some things in your life you need to wait for a sign from God. You need to wait for God to, God to speak to you when you're making major important decisions in your life. Yeah, God wants you to do that. But, but you need to treat the giants in your life like the decision of what you're gonna wear every day. You don't go to God and say, at least I don't think so. You don't go to God and say, well, God, what should I wear? Do these pants match this shirt? You don't do that. Wait for God. You don't, you don't draw straws or roll dice and say, well, if I if I'm, get this and maybe I'm, I'm supposed to wear this. No, that's crazy. God's saying the same thing about the giant in your life that you know it's taunting you every day. God's saying, take care of it. Go. You don't, you, my permission, you've got my permission. Go. Some of you are waiting. Maybe you're waiting just for God to do something. God's saying, look, I'll do something if you start walking towards a giant. And I can just imagine David walking towards Goliath and Goliath was spitting curses at God and putting God down. And it just emboldened David and and God just filling David with the spirit. And David is just saying, oh no, you're going down. We're gonna feed your body and all of the Philistines to to the, the birds of the air are gonna come down and they're gonna have a feast 
That's bold. There's no sign necessary. The sign is there's a giant. You need to take it down. Verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Goliath, I firmly believe Goliath was not expecting this kind of fight. Goliath was not expecting this kind of fight. Goliath was expecting a hand-to-hand combat. You know, back then you had three different types of warriors. You had the warrior who fought on horses. You had the warrior who, who uh, fought hand-to-hand combat with the sword and the shield. And you, and you, had, you had another warrior who, who would fight, you know, by launching things, whether it be rocks or arrows. And so Goliath was, he, he was saying, look, bring a man to me face-to-face and we're gonna take each other out. And so Goliath was not expecting this kind of fight. It's a different kind of fight. And so David didn't go up to Goliath face to face. He would have been defeated. He went to Goliath the same way he went and fought the lion and the bear and other animals. He got that rock, that sling, slung it, knocked him in the head, knocked him out. But he did it from a, from a distance. He did it from a distance. And so when you're facing your giant, know this, it's a different kind of fight. Can I tell you something? There are people all over this world, everybody in this world has giants to face. Now you have believers and you have non-believers, those who have accepted Christ as Savior and those who have not, those who live like Jesus and those who not. And so you have different types of people, but all of these, everyone has giants to face in their life. And so the people of this world, they, they sort of face their giants in sort of a, a worldly, humanistic way. And that's kind of the way that the devil wants him to fight because he's the one, he's the author of all the humanism and all the, 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 the man of human knowledge in this world. He's the author of all that. But he also knows, Satan also knows there's a different kind of battle. You and I are in a different kind of battle because we use different kind of tools than the world uses. We have God's word. We have prayer. We have the church. The world doesn't have that. They're trying, to fight, they're trying to fight their battles their own humanistic way. We've got a different kind of battle. Don't try to fight the battle like the world fights a battle. Fight the battle with what God's given you. Fight the battle the way God's given you. And as we go on down to the few last verses in what we're doing today. Verse 51, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, 
he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. So what that tells me is this. Look, David finished the job. David finished the job. The rock knocked him down, knocked him unconscious, knocked him out, okay? He didn't go check his heart. He didn't check his pulse. He grabbed his sword, Goliath's sword, and cut his head off. So what that tells us is this. We need to finish the job, okay? Don't toy around with the giant. Don't play around with the giant. Don't just knock him in the head a little bit and just let him disappear. If you're gonna make a life change, if you're gonna make a lifestyle change, a marriage change, you know, a, a, a following Jesus kind of change in your life, then you're going to need to finish the job, okay? And you've heard me say this before. If you, if you have marriage issues, Okay? The answer to marriage issues isn't a vacation somewhere and you're together and that's going to solve the problem. Your giant might be knocked out for a little bit, but guess what? He's coming back. You got to fight the giant and finish the job. It takes more than a vacation to fix a marriage problem. And I know that's just one example, but it's, I mean, you, could, you, know, you could put all kinds of things in there. A lifestyle change, health change, finance change, whatever it is. There are temporary things that would sort of knock our giant out. But he's coming back. You gotta chop his head off. You gotta do whatever it takes. And know this, don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. You have a giant to face. What is that giant? And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about this giant? Because it's your giant to fight, because he's taunting you every day, and it could be an unexpected fight. And are you angry enough? Are you, has your giant gotten you angry enough? Are you fighting the right enemy? How do you see your giant? If you have the heart of God, you're going to see him the way God sees him, as a punk. Be yourself. Okay, use your own, use what God has given you. Don't try to be someone else. Don't wait for a sign from God. He's already there. The giant is there. That is your sign from God. And know this, it's a, it's a different kind of fight than the world fights. It's a different kind of fight. And finish the job. Finish the job. As, a, as your pastor, as your shepherd, it, it breaks my heart to see people facing the giant every, every day, not doing anything about it. I know some of you are doing something about your giant. That's great. But let's partner together. Let's work. Let's all get together and lift one another up in prayer and cover this and bathe this in prayer, God's word, and let's do this together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Frank, I've got some giants that are just lingering around and I'm just tired of it. And um, yeah, they've, I've been frustrated, but I've yet to be angry. I've yet to be angry enough to do something about it.
and I've been fighting the wrong enemy and, and I just, I don't know what to do. And if you're sitting here today and, and you, just, you just need someone to, to pray with you, just know this, we're, we're here for you. The, the way we connect with you is just talk to us, go visit Connection Point, that kind of stuff, but just, we wanna pray with you. We wanna pray with you. And you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, Frank, I've been fighting giants like the world because I'm not a believer. I don't know how to fight my giants with God's word through prayer. And I'm tired of fighting that giant. If you're sitting here today and you have never accepted Christ as Savior, you've never walked that line, if you've never stepped over that line and said, I need someone to save me from my sins. I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to forgive me my sins. I need help in this life. I need Jesus. I may not totally understand it, but I know this. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I need Jesus. If you're sitting here today with no one looking around, if you need that prayer, someone to pray for you, just simply raise your hand. If that is you, you just want someone to pray with you. You need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus walking with you, beside you. That is you today. Just simply say this prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me my sin. Please forgive me for, for fighting this on my own. Help me to trust in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were buried and rose again. Please come into my life. I confess my sin to you, all the things I've done. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you, I know you're facing giants, just bring that before God and stop letting that giant linger around. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Jackson.